Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. Adam Martin is a mindfulness expert, and it's definitely fair to say podcast expert too, having been head of content at ACAST following a fast-paced career in technology. He stepped away a couple of years ago to focus on a new project called Gabba, which is one of the most stunningly beautiful podcasts I listen to. Now, in this episode, we're going to get under the skin of his perspective regarding meditation and mindfulness and how it can help calm a busy mind whilst also understanding more about the Gabba neurotransmitter. So, you are in for a deeply insightful treat. Welcome to the show, Adam. Thank you very much, Dan. Lovely to be here. So in your own words, the best question really to ask anyone on a mindfulness journey, who are you? <laughs> well, I, I don't even know where to begin with that. With regards, Gabba, I'm the little boy that I always was. My father would often found me atop the tallest tree. Uh, my mind forever in the thrall of imaginary realms. And there was always part of me that had the big questions would kind of come to mind. What would happen if I didn't exist? How would I be able to have this thought? And I think I used to drive my parents slightly kind of crazy, both of them scientists. And my father had grown up in a very religious family. My grandfather was a preacher and kind of one of those fire and brimstone Ian Paisley types. So there were sort of two synergies in my early life. One is a kind of a, a rich immersion in, in a scientific way of looking at the world. And the second is a more esoteric, there's something more to this than simply what science would have us believe. Uh, and those two energies have kind of been the driver in my life, I think, consistently. You know, I've sort of been in and out of the UK tech scene for 10, 15 years. And the last big stint I had was a Swedish podcasting company that is now very successful called Acast. I got to meet some of the most extraordinary people. Podcasting as, a, as an industry now and certainly then was full of some very diverse and extraordinary minds. So that sort of became my all-consuming passion, the power of the human voice and what it could do. And honestly, it was the, it was the best job I ever had in my in my life. You know, I got paid until now, until now, I got paid to listen to podcasts. But as a result of that, I, I traveled the world extensively. We opened offices all over the world. Uh, and at one point, I think I was spending nine months of the year on and off planes. I fell in love with it, or I became blinded by this way of life. I'd had this image of myself as a, as a man that I would be successful in the tech industry because tech felt like the Wild West. You know, it felt like anything, anything was possible here. Uh, and it became intrinsic to my sort of sense of identity, really. But as a result of doing that, I was taking all manner of new tropics to kind of keep me up and able to function when I rolled off the plane. I was concocting my own kind of alchemical potions to manage jet lag. Uh, I kind of invented this kind of crazy pill to nip jet lag in the bud when I could go to Australia. And I, I would go to Australia five times a year and I could walk off the plane, take this sort of magic formula. <laughs> my mind became unspun, really. I was traveling too much. Uh, I was self-medicating in a way that wasn't advisable. Uh, and I'd really spent 20 years schooling myself in, in all manner of kind of alchemical preparations. I'd ventured down um, 
more esoteric paths in terms of self-development. Uh, and really, I, my body and my mind couldn't take it. Uh, and there came a point where I sort of stepped off a plane one time and you know, I felt like I was kind of imploding. And at that point, I knew I had to take charge of my life. I made the decision to kind of leave ACAST and, uh, and the tech world without really knowing what I was going to do. Uh, and then GABA sort of came to me <laughs> in a dream, as they do. And I knew that GABA was a, a neurotransmitter that stands for gamma amino butyric acid. And it felt like a, a welding together of that spiritual esoteric side to myself uh, and the scientific rigor that I kind of wanted to apply to this field. And I sort of got my head together and created GABA. And the first episode, you know, my friends were like, this is not what we expected. It's unlike anything else, but it, it's you. It encapsulates your passion for self-development and kind of spiritual pursuit. And it sort of rings true with, you know, like anybody who sort of left the heady world of technology, you know, I become a convert to a, to a different way of, of needing to lead our lives and that ne necessity to restore balance into our lives. And I, I think that's the thing we sometimes don't pay enough heedance to. It's not about extremes of polarities. It's about finding homeostasis. It's about finding balance in our mind and our bodies. And when you do find that place, which meditation is, you know, well-schooled for helping guide us to, you realize what the results are. It's not the great transcendental epiphany that many people think they're, they're cruising towards and feel disappointed if they don't experience it. It's simply a sense of inner calm and well-being. And per your point and your kind words of introduction about mindfulness, it's about being mindful. What I struggled with with meditation for years, having I've tried meditation for five years, I've probably had a daily practice, give or take, for the last two and a half years. So there's two and a half years in the wilderness of constantly trying and giving up. And it's because I was trying to achieve this perfect nirvana of inner peace for 10 minutes. But I've learned that it's not about that. There's so many different types of meditation. And actually, sometimes it is all about just giving yourself the space and time. And in the past, you know, I've actually considered genuinely that sitting and stroking my cats has been meditation and mindfulness because I can do it in complete silence, realize that half an hour has passed by and I haven't really thought about anything other than how calm I am. But the, the usual understanding of meditation or mindfulness wouldn't encapsulate things like that. And this is what I love about, about GABA is, you know, really when I listen to your podcast, I feel like I'm listening to a song. Um, but I am technically being mindful and meditating. So love you to just give us an experience share there on, on GABA soundscapes and what it really means to be mindful. Yeah, I mean, I think you've absolutely, you, you've summarized it there. How I define meditation is the simple act of gifting something, your your awareness, your attention. That's all it is. And traditionally, we're gifting silence and a sense of calm and an emptying of our mind, our attention. And that's a really hard thing to do because the mind can never be empty. The mind is always active. And thus, there's a resistance there. You're fighting against the inherent nature and magic of being human and trying to still something that is that is forever on and cannot be stilled. Well, actually, the act of simply stroking your cat, you are in the moment, you're transported in the moment, and time just starts to dissipate around you. That moment of thinking, I just spent five, 15 minutes stroking my cat, I didn't notice the time go. That's 
meditation. All you've done is gifted your awareness, your attention to doing one repetitive action that has a feedback loop within it. And thus you've transported yourself. You've given your mind a chance to reset, restore and rebalance. And the GABA neurotransmitter, and this is not a scientific definition, this is my interpretation led on top of the scientific definition, but gamma aminobutyric acid, think of it like a crossroads or an intersection in the brain. And what it's doing is helping downregulate and upregulate both serotonin and dopamine levels in your body. And dopamine in particular is responsible in part for your sense of calm, for a want of a, a, a better world, of contentment. And calm and contentment are key components to, to being able to really gift something our awareness, to gift something our attention. And when you're in a meditative state and when they have done brain scans and they've studied these kind of arch yogis kind of sat in lotus position, gazing out across the kind of tundra, they see that the, the GABA neurotransmitter is helping downregulate that. It's controlling our sense of calm and contentment within the body. So from a, from a sort of a physiological and neuroscientific standpoint, you can't hack meditation per se, although you can with, with supplements and pills, and there are other modalities for kind of exploring that. But really nothing gets away from the simple act of, uh, of, of managing to gain control over where you gift your attention and your awareness. I like to think of GABA. I, I love the word because it gives you something to say. It has the same resonance as words like amen or shalom or om. The sound of those words, the om sound, is universal in all of them, although they've all sort of come apart. They've all come about individually and differently. And as a word, I started to incorporate it into my own meditation practice. And as I was exhaling, sometimes I would say the word, you know, GABA. Uh, and what it does as, as a sort of a mouth exercise, it sort of releases the throat and the air sort of pours out. Uh, and I'm a big one for, for grabbing at anything we can do to help physically gain control over our body and help us reach this kind of state of homeostasis and this state of calm. The second reasoning behind GABA for me and the show was that my my grandmother was this kind of extraordinary woman uh, and she used, she grew up in the north of Scotland in Aberdeen and she would play a lot of poker often with the Russian sailors who'd kind of come into port she would win watches and jewelry off these sailors uh, but she used to say that I had the gift of the gab you've got the gift of the gab Adam and so gabba came apart from that as well question that we like to ask our guests as this is the brain care podcast of course is what does brain care mean to you and how do you take care of your own brain in your own life because i know that you've got various practices that'll be interesting to share yes uh it's always been hugely important to me it began as a kind of academic study and research. I became very interested in the microbiome about 15 years ago. And so my first venture into managing my own brain chemistry came with me managing what I was what I was feeding my my gut. And not simply beyond the kind of the probiotics that are much spoken about, although there is a huge amount of validity within that, but also in terms of 
prebiotics, which are not spoken about as much. And prebiotics, imagine probiotics are the seeds that you sow on your field. Prebiotics are the fertilizer. And just as you would sow seeds in the garden, without the fertilizer, you're not giving that seed the best opportunity to, to flourish and to grow and to establish. And prebiotics tend to be things like chicory, garlic, onion, leeks. So I began my sort of journey into into brain health with gut health and spent 10 years going that route first before I started to kind of investigate new tropics, I guess, sort of being in the tech scene. I know you, you sort of struggle with the word. I struggle with the word. It sort of has a certain weight to it now, which I don't think is particularly relevant. It's eccentric people taking stacks of 20 to 30 pills a day. Well, you know, I use it slightly as a, as a broader term, really. And I think brain care, as you have used and, and adopted, is a much better way of describing it. And I started to look at different modalities. I started to look at kind of racetams, paracetam, aniracetam. And then I would look at kind of poly drug use, not in, a, not in an illegal sense, but in, in combining some of those racetams, particularly paracetam, with other elements uh, and reishi and mushrooms in particular is an extraordinary field to get into. Uh, There's a gentleman called Paul Stamets. He's kind of the go-to mushroom guy. And if you listen to anything he does or any of the podcasts, you'll know what that means. We're going to have an upcoming uh, few episodes on uh, on brain care focused on psychedelics with regards to mental health specifically. It'll be very much your vibe you'll you'll enjoy. Okay, what are your top three takeaways for listeners who are looking to access um, a more appropriate or effective version of mindfulness and meditation? I think forget everything you think you might know about meditation. Understand that the act of simply stroking your cat for five to 10 minutes is in and of itself meditation. It's the act of gifting something your awareness and one of the, the key tricks as well, which I love, which is the act of stepping outside of your thoughts for a moment. Uh, and the analogy, if you'll indulge me for a moment, that I'd love to return to is the theatre. In the normal day-to-day, we are the actor on the stage. Our ego is the actor on the stage. The action is unfolding before us. And every time another character intermingles with us, we react to it. And that's, that's the normal state of the brain. But if you can, for a moment, step outside, step off the stage and into the audience, so you're in the darkness of the stalls, and there are certain rules that adhere to that when you're at the theatre, you simply have to observe and let the action unfold before you. And so imagine yourself the actor on the stage, but place yourself in the audience and let the mind simply unfold before you. That's not to stop it. That's not to reach a sense of emptiness or calm or even stillness. It's choosing not to engage with the thoughts, to let them go wherever they want to go. And as soon as you do that, you start to realise that energy, that tension within them that's held you back from that purported sense of calm and emptiness, uh, the energy simply dissipates over a period of time. And I think that that analogy is a wonderful one to return to. And then finally, I'm a huge advocate of the, the healing power of the natural world. Like it's innate within us as humans. We just know this. We've just forgotten it or forsaken it because we're too distracted by the ping of our electronic devices. But the simple act of tilting your ear towards the sky and tuning into birdsong until it dissipates on the wind, like your wonderful analogy, Dan, about stroking your cat, that's meditation. It's not simply 
give yourself up to that moment. And and then something will hopefully fall into place in your head and you'll realize that meditation is is not as hard as you thought it, it once might be. And actually it's accessible for a minute, for five minutes, for an hour, whatever your chosen practice is. And it's accessible to everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and follow us at Your Heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. If you want to know more about how well you're feeding your brain, you can head to yourheights.com forward slash brain food to get your free score from one to 100 and start taking action from there. See you next week.